why is life so tough? Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever have these thoughts in your mind like, why, th- why can't things just be more simple? Why can't life be a little bit calmer? You ever feel that way? Why can't it be a little bit easier than it is right now? And it actually was intended that it would be that way. Again, a lot of you that have grown around, up around church or been in church, you know that when God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in this incredible place called the Garden of Eden. And it was a place that was unblemished and wonderful and incredible in every way. And God said, here's where I'm going to situate you, and, and life is going to be good for you, and here's what I want you to do. All I need you to do, this is like God and, uh, to Adam and Eve, all I need you to do really is to follow my plan. All, all I'm asking you to do is to, to do life my way, not your way. And here's what's going to happen if you follow my plan, my will, my purpose for your life. You are going to enjoy unending paradise. How many of you know that's a good setup that God was providing Adam and Eve with? But isn't it amazing? In all these perfect conditions, Adam and Eve chose nevertheless to disobey God. To say, God, I know that you want us to do it your way but we would much rather do it our way. And we know that as a result of this, this unending paradise that God intended, which by the way, we're not even going to get into tonight, but that's really what we believe heaven is going to be, a restored paradise that God will bring into being everything that he actually intended from the beginning. But when Adam and Eve sinned, it brought, we know this theologically, biblically, that it brought all kinds of sin and problems and they all invaded the world. Now, do I need to mention, and I don't think I do, that the, that the attitude of Adam and Eve is still prevailing today. How many of you know it's being perpetuated from generation to generation to our time? And even more personal than that, to us. And if we were being totally transparent, we would say there have been times in our life when God has said, you know, this is what I want you to do. And our response, we didn't say it this way because we weren't brazen enough to say it this way. But our response was, well, God, I know better. I know better than you know for my life. I've got a better plan. I like my plan. I'll do it my way. And so that Adam and Eve kind of attitude has just perpetuated itself generation to generation. And you and I have also played into that so oftentimes. Why is life so tough? Why do we often battle with conflict and struggle? And this is what we know that at any given time, and if you're a note taker, you may want to write this down, although it's not like you've never heard it before, but I want to, for a reminder's sake, mention this to you, that at any given time, you and I know that we could have one of three battles going on, and sometimes it feels like all three battles are going on simultaneously. And you're like, Jeff, what are you talking about? Well, you and I know that there is the battle, and the Bible talks about this, there is the battle with the world. And you and I face that all the time. Even when we're not cognizant of the fact that we're facing the battle with the world, in fact, you and I are living in that every single day. It's our culture, and oftentimes our culture and what we're exposed to is trying to tear us down, pull us down, beat us down. So we have the battle with the world, and that's one battle. How many of you have ever faced that battle before? Well, there's another battle 
that the Bible talks about. It's not the battle with the world, but it's actually the battle with the devil. It's the battle with Satan. And we talked about in our recent series, Seeing the Invisible, how the Satan, the devil, and uh, demonic spirits who work in collaboration with him. And, and we know that the enemy comes to fight against us. We rejoice in the fact that how many of you are grateful that greater is he that is in us than the evil one that is in the world? But nevertheless, it does not diminish the reality that the evil one hates us. It goes about as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So there's this battle that we have with the world, the culture that is trying to pull us down. There's these occasional battles when it feels like the enemy, all hell is coming against us. We have that battle. And then the Bible talks about a third battle. And that battle is actually the battle that happens inside of us. The battle that happens inside of us. The Bible calls this what? The Bible refers to it as our flesh, our, our old, sinful, fallen nature. But here's where you and I need to be encouraged, and that's what tonight is all about. Even with these three battles, you and I do not have to be discouraged. We do not have to be hopeless. We don't have to be depressed. We don't have to have a defeatist attitude. And you're like, well, hey, you know, Pastor Jeff, if, if you're talking about, hey, we've got problems and we're going to face problems until Jesus comes and, and there's the battle that we have in the world and now we have the battle with the evil one. If that's not enough, we battle. How many of you ever feel like this, that you battle most with the person that you look at in the mirror every day? If that guy wouldn't give me so much trouble, my life would be a whole lot better. How many of you can identify with that? And so you're like, but, you know, all these things being true, then how can I have hope? How can I have optimism? What kind of attitude and disposition should I take? Now, I want to take you tonight to the New Testament book of Hebrews. I'm going to read about 10 verses. They start actually toward the end of chapter 11. They go into the beginning part of chapter 12. And then we're going to unpack this in, in the next few moments that we have together. Uh, these particular verses are not going to be on the screens, quite a few of them. So if you just listen. In fact, if you're a note taker, again, you can jot down these uh, passages, Hebrews 11 35 through 40, when 40 ends at the chapter 11, it picks up verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12. So I'm going to read 11:35, actually through Hebrews 12:4. It's pointing back to times in the past, people who, are, um, who uh, were believers, it says, the writer of Hebrews, they were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They wouldn't turn from God. They place, I love the language here, they place their hope in a better life after the resurrection. They didn't have a temporal view. Some, the writer said, were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and tradition tells us that was probably Isaiah. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Listen to this phrase. I love this phrase. This is out of the New Living Translation. It says, they were too good for this world. That's a great statement. They were just too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Listen to this now. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Now pick it up at verse 1. Therefore. How many of you know that anytime you see therefore in the Bible, you ask this question, what is it therefore? What is it therefore? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, and you're familiar with this passage, 
Huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. So here's what I want to do. If you're taking notes, in the next few moments, I want to give you four realities from these verses that we just looked at. All right? We're going to walk through this, and uh, I can talk quick when I need to. Some of you are like, but you're from Georgia. I can still talk quick when I need to. How many of you believe that? Number one, we need to remember that heaven is watching us. Heaven is watching us. I hope you don't have the attitude that says, well, Jeff, you really didn't have to remind me about that because sometimes I really don't want heaven watching me. But the reality is, heaven is watching us. And that's actually a really, really good thing. By the way, uh, can I just say, if you've been a little discouraged lately or you felt like giving up or throwing in the towel, you picked a great night to come to church because the writer of Hebrews has a fresh word from God that is for all of us. And I want you to see it up here on the screen. This is Hebrews chapter 12. This is verse 1, the A part of the first part of the verse. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, to the life of faith. We're surrounded by this huge crowd of witnesses. Now, I want you to step back and take a breath for just a moment and consider this with me. Every, every generation of Christ followers before us has already run their leg of the race. Agreed? Every Christ follower, every previous generation, they've already run their particular leg of the race. Now for you and I, who are alive and breathing, have life now, the baton has actually been uh, handed over to us for this portion of the relay. And, and the scripture says, and the writer's wanting to encourage us by saying, hey, you just need to always keep in mind that heaven is watching you, that your life actually has an audience, that even now people that you don't even know know you actually know you. Who's watching you? And I mean, we just could just go through the litany of characters out of the Bible uh, for you to think about it. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to personally, you know, embrace it and just say, you know what? I may get discouraged. I may be walking through a problem. I may have a challenge. I may have a task going on in some segment of my life, in my health, in my family, in my job, in my career, in my emotions. I may be discouraged, but this is the reality that I know. Heaven is watching me and people that I don't even know know me are watching me to cheer me on. Do you know that Abraham has knowledge of who you are? He does. How many of you would agree that Abraham, the father of our faith, is part of that crowd? So you've got Abraham, and then you take all of the prophets, all of the prophets. And you've heard me maybe say this before. You want to read all of the prophets, not just the major prophets like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Daniel and Isaiah. You want to read the minor prophets as well, because when you get to heaven, one of them may walk up to you and say, hey, by the way, did you ever read my book? And you want to be able to say, yes, I read your book too. So you want to read those minor prophets as well. So people you don't even know are cheering you on. What about the disciples? What about these great men and women of faith, some that we just read about out of Hebrews chapter 11, and they're all gathered together, and you don't even know that they know you, but they know you, and they're cheering you on. 
I was in a restaurant uh, today, actually. It was sort of mid-afternoon, late lunch, getting really hungry, and I sit down and feeling a little, you know, just a little bit rattled because a lot of spitting plates right now, and I'm sitting there. But, you know, my, my, uh, my attitude uh, is not, you know, that my attitude is always 100%, but I'm, my attitude is not one that is rude or any, you know, anything like that, and, and I'm so glad because I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about what I've been doing, what I need to work on as soon as I get back, what's ahead of me next couple of days, and I've got all this going through my mind, and, and then, um, you know, the young lady, very nice young lady, long story short, she comes over, and when she gets to the end, she said, she said, and I, as far as I know, I've never seen her before, and, and she said, she said, she said, hey, how did you like it? Pastor Jeff. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. As rattled as I was. I wasn't a grouch. I was nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, if you had asked me when I walked into that restaurant and that young lady walked over to the table, uh, if, if she knew me, I'd say no. As far as I know, I never met her before. Great young lady, great server, wonderful young lady. But you know what the connection was? I probably never met her, but you know who she said? She said, I'm best friends of the little girl that I've just mentioned to you, Aubrey Hudson. And she said, I know who you are. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I was nice and sweet and kind. And hopefully Jesus was leaking out of my life because I had no. So people are watching you, watching you from heaven that you don't even know. And they're not watching in a seat of judgment, just, you know, scowling. Wow, look at, you know, it's actually for encouragement to cheer you on. Come on, you can make it. In fact, if you're walking through a struggle right now, if you're walking through a battle right now, if you're faced with a challenge, if you could just tilt an ear toward heaven, you could hear this host of heaven saying to you, you can make it. Don't quit. Don't lose heart. It's tough. We know it's tough. But get back up and keep on running. We also need to remember that God is a part of that huge crowd. And God always sees our challenges. God knows our ups and our downs. He knows our trials and our tests. He knows our problems and our pain. In fact, I love this verse. One of my favorite verses. You'll want to write it down. This is out of the Old Testament book of Job. Look at this. God knows everything I do. He sees every step I take. That's how much God knows you. Why can you be encouraged tonight? I'll tell you why. Because heaven is watching you. That's what the writer of Hebrews would say. Secondly, be sure you get this. We need to determine if there is anything. We need to determine. We need to consider. Is there anything that is slowing me down? We're in a race, all right? We're in a race. We're in a race, you know, cheering us on. You get the image of like this big, massive coliseum, and, and we're in the race, and it's tough, and it's challenging, but we're running, and we're giving it our best, and the host of heaven is saying, people we don't even know know us. They're saying, you can make it. You can make it. Get up. You can... And then we need to consider in the midst of that, is there anything that is slowing us down? And you may say, well, Jeff, where do you get that from? Just look at the B part of verse 1 that we looked at a moment ago. Let us strip off every, what, say it with me, every weight that slows us down, especially the, the sin that so easily trips us up. So we're in this race. Heaven is watching. Now the writer of Hebrews lets us know that the light of the load, and it only makes sense. The greater the level of our effectiveness, the greater our endurance. And he mentions two things that creates heaviness in our life. You saw them. You mentioned them. Weights and sins. 
You've probably read this passage many, many times before. You've heard it. You've, uh, you've studied it, perhaps. But a lot of times we don't do a time out and consider that actually the language that is used here between weights and sins, a lot of times we think of it as being synonymous, but it actually is not. Let's take weights for just a moment. For a moment. Weights are not something that is necessarily wrong or bad. In fact, the weights that are mentioned here in Hebrews, this particular portion of the verse, can actually be good. Can actually be good things, these weights. But generally speaking, out of the context of this passage, it is too many good things that can eventually become unmanageable and out of control. Does your life ever feel that way? Non-sustainable? Unmanageable? Out of control? I mentioned a few moments ago, just feeling a little bit, you know, like spinning plate. You ever feel like you're, you're spinning plates? Like, how do I keep this plate? And you got these spinning pretty good, and this one really starts wobbling. And I need, you ever feel that way? You ever feel like I got all this? How do I keep all these things, you know? I've, I've, I've got my job. I've got my family. I've got my friends. I've got my hobby. I've got all of these things going on in my life. And if we're not careful, life can feel unmanageable, and we can lose our focus I grew up playing baseball. My dad was a great athlete, and, and uh, he got me signed up to play sports even before I, th- I think I really could fully comprehend what sports were about. He played sports, therefore, um, I'm going to play sports. And then I carried on this tradition before my boys knew what sports, hey, you know, you have life and you have breath. You're going to play sports. It's just the way it goes around here. And uh, before they could really hold, you know, a, a bomb like a baseball glove, but their hands would be so little it wouldn't really fit. It would just be like spinning on their hands like, catch this ball, catch this. You can catch this ball. I love baseball. And, and I wanted, when I was young, I wanted to play every position. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to pitch. I, I wanted to play first base. I wanted to play left field. I, there was a particular position that uh, I never... In fact, you'll rarely see uh, one of these. It's a position I always wanted to play but was never allowed to play, and uh, not because I couldn't catch a ball or throw a ball, but how many of you know you rarely see a left-handed catcher? Occasionally, you'll see a right-handed catcher's man, but you'll never see really a left-handed catcher, and there's reasons for that. And so I, I just, you know, as many positions as I could play as a kid, but then when I got up and I was in high school and I was playing baseball, I realized... You know, you don't play a lot of different positions. Now, this is getting a little more serious, and, and now you've got to have focus, and you've got to develop your trade, and you've got to make progress. I can remember pitching in high school, and the pitchers and catchers would always have to show up at an ungodly time of year, like in the morning as a high schooler when it was freezing outside in the sun and naughty, and you were expected because it was too cold to throw outside to throw in the gym but you focus now what do I what do I mention that because a lot of times we have so many different things we're like you know I'd like to be left field I'd like to be first base I'd like to be here and we just get so much going on life it's unsustainable and, and have you ever noticed this when life gets crowded sometimes God gets crowded out and the writer of Hebrews is saying don't let that happen Lay aside the weights. Maybe good things, but uh, too many good things combined together can cause life to become unsustainable and the things that matter most in our life gets lost in the busyness. 
But it doesn't end with that. He also mentions our sins. Our sins will slow us down. You know, um, how many of you are runners, like on purpose, not because people are after you? You you run on purpose. If I were to say, all right, you like to run, why don't we all meet down at Lake Hollingsworth and we're just going to do a great run together? And you'd be like, great, 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 let's run, 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 run. And I said, this is going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. We're going to run together. It's going to be community. It's going to be wonderful. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got your running shoes. You're ready to go. And then I said, oh, by the way, by the way, I forgot to tell you, I got all this heavy stuff I need you to carry while you're running around the lake. Hey, I need you to carry this big old heavy suitcase. Hey, you, could you just carry, could you carry these concrete blocks, you know, these center blocks, one in each hand? Hey, could you carry this heavy blocks that weighs about 67 and a half pounds? Could you? Now, let's just run. And you're saying, you know, that would, that would be impossible. That would be utterly ridiculous. But don't we do this all the time? I'm going to carry this grudge and try to run. I'm going to hold on to this anger. I deserve the right to be angry. I know I should forgive, but they've not even apologized yet. How can I forgive when they've not even apologized? And and the Scripture would just say, not just in Hebrews, but it's replete throughout the Scriptures, that it is a good thing to always confess our sins as quickly as we can, to lay them down, and to run the race that God has designed for us. Look at this great statement on the screen from Matt's Locator. Look at what he says. He says, the blood of Christ does not cover your sins, conceal your sins, postpone your sins, or diminish your sins. It takes away your sins once and for all. So the writer of Hebrews would say, are you going through a tough time? And we'd be like, yeah, it gets tough at times. Well, then consider crowd. Look at all the people. Your life is an audience. People are cheering you on. And oh, by the way, while you're running and they're cheering you on, lay aside every weight. Don't allow your life to become so complex that the most important things of your life get crowded out. And lay aside every sin and the weight that so easily besets you and, and just run. Run with freedom and run with energy and run with endurance. Don't be weighted down by things that you can f- confess and lay at the feet of Jesus. Thirdly, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, not our problems. We know this. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Let us keep our eyes on Jesus on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. If right now you happen to be walking through a problem, whether you're in the sanctuary or you're watching online, if you've got your eyes fixed on your problem, whatever your problem is, no reason you feel so discouraged. No reason you feel worried or hopeless. No wonder you're losing heart. You're focused on the wrong thing. We don't focus on our problems. How many of you know that whatever has our attention, whatever we focus on most, grows the most in our mind and imagination? If you've got a problem, how many of you know little problems can become, uh, can become bigger problems if we become so consumed by them? And the writer of Hebrews said, no, it's not like you're not going to have problems because you are. And the only way not to have problems is to already be in heaven. But when you have your challenges, don't focus on your problems. Focus on Jesus because Jesus has proven himself faithful again and again in your life. How many of you have seen that to be true in your life? How many of you have seen Jesus show up in your life when you needed him most? He's proven 
He's proven time and time again his power in our life in the past. We realize that even at present, no matter what we may be walking through, that God is presently at work within us right now, and we are not alone, and we just keep our eyes so fixed on Jesus. Do you see this? We're in this big arena, and we're running, and sometimes it's not easy, and we're running, and sometimes it's difficult, and we have challenges, and we have trials, and we have troubles, but we're running, and, and we look to the crowd for a moment. The crowd is cheering. People we don't even know know us, and they're like, you can make it and we're trying to strip off every weight getting our priorities right making sure that sin is not hamstringing us and we're moving and we just look to the finish line and we just keep our eyes fixed on Jesus we're like yeah Jesus yes Jesus yes Jesus we can we can do it and we just keep running and our eyes are not focused on our problems. Our eyes are focused on Jesus. We remember his promises, and his promises take us into the future. I like what Dr. Larry Crabb has written. He said this. This is so good. Every, you see it on the screen. Every problem is an opportunity to get to know God better. That's true, isn't it? Fourthly and finally, we need to remember the pain that Jesus experienced because of us. I want to suggest something that perhaps you may want to try sometimes. I've tried this many, many times, and um, I don't know how like a professional counselor would interpret this, so maybe I'm uh, hesitant to say. Maybe I've psyched myself out. But do you ever have times in your life when you start feeling a little bit sorry for yourself because things can get too tough? Have you ever had... Have you had uh, so let's nullify this being too personal. I'll say it this way. It's more palatable. Have you ever felt that way? Not like right now, but have you ever felt that way? It's too tough. Why am I walking through this? Why didn't this happen to me? Why didn't this, why, you know, why am I walking through this? Why am I going through this experience? And we start feeling a little bit pity. Have you ever, have you ever thrown a pity party for yourself? And you were the only one you invited (laughs) And any time I've ever found myself, you know, even remotely leaning in that direction, I just, I try to work something in my mind. Perhaps it will help you in a moment, uh, at some point in the future. I, I just stop and I start thinking, Jeff, in reality, your problems by comparison are pretty tiny. And I start thinking about, for example, here's what I often think about. I often think, you know, when I want to throw a pity party, write invitations, send them to me, all of them go to me because I'm going to the party. I start thinking about our brothers and sisters in Christ who live in very difficult parts of the world and they are persecuted for their faith only because they know and love Jesus. And I say, those are the people that really have problems. And, And then sometimes if I'm like, you know, why, you know, why, 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 why? I'll pause and think, and what about so many people that live in third world countries and what their life is like every single day, not knowing where their next meal is going to come from? Do you know that the majority of the world, if you were to say to them, hey, my car, they'd be, what? You have a car? Oh, yeah, 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 I've got a car. And, hey, hey my checking account, they'd be, checking account? Car, phone, air conditioning, warm water. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And how many of you know it's a matter of perspective? 
And one of the things that's so good for us above everything else is to keep in mind what the one who loved us most was willing to do on our behalf. In fact, I want you to look at this next scripture right up here on the screen. Think of all the hostility Jesus endured from sinful people. Think of all of that. Think of all of that. Above and beyond everything else. Everything that he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. It's like when you're like, Lord, I'm going through a challenge. I'm going through this task. This is going on in my family. This is going on in my health. This is going on in my job. This is going on in my finances. This is going on in my emotions. This is what is happening. This is how I'm being treated. This is what's going down. This is how my boss is, blah. But, you know, we just go on and on. And the writer of Hebrews would just say, look at the crowd. Keep on running. Keep on going. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus not on your problems. Focus on Jesus. And think about everything that Jesus was willing to do for you. And let it give you hope. That the one who endured pain, unlike you and I could ever imagine. In fact, one writer said this. Let me just share it with you. Christianity along among the world religions claims that God became uniquely and fully human in Jesus Christ. And therefore knows firsthand despair rejection, loneliness, poverty, bereavement, torture, and imprisonment. On the cross, Jesus went beyond even the worst human suffering and experienced cosmic rejection and pain that exceeds anything that you and I could ever imagine. Another writer said this, his cradle was a feeding trough. His nursery mates had four legs. He was wrapped in rags. He was born in a cave, targeted for death, raised on the run. He would die with even less dignity, convicted, beaten, bleeding, abandoned, naked, and shame. And the scriptures would say, when you and I I take a step back and we look and we say, Jesus was willing to do that for me. How much more should I just keep living for him? When it's easy to and when it's not too easy to. Would you stand with me for a closing prayer? If you're here tonight, as you stand, you can just bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're here tonight and you're just you're just walking through a struggle, and I don't know what that struggle is. I don't even need to know what the struggle is. You do, and God knows, and that's what's most important. But whatever you're struggling with right now, and you may be like, Jeff, man, I'm just going through this challenge in my health. I've got this stuff going on I don't even know, and I've had some preliminary tests. And I've got to go back, and I'm just so worried. And maybe that's something you're struggling with, worry and fear and anxiety and just you're always stressed, you're always like your life, your stomach, your mind is in knots and you're just being dominated by fear. Maybe it's a struggle that you're faced in your own family and you're like, hey, this is what's going on in, in my marriage. This is what's happening with my kids. This is what's going on with my grandkids. This is what's happening with my finances. This is what's happening at work. You know, I've, I've got a future that's not so, I don't know what you're faced with, but I know this. The one who lived and died and bled for you is more than enough to meet you right where you're at. If you're here tonight and you're walking through a struggle, you'd just be real transparent. You'd be real, real. And you'd just say, I'm faced with a problem. I'm going through a challenge. I'm in the middle of a trial. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and let me pray for you right there where you're at. Just lift it up. Yeah, bunch of you, bunch of you. Father, I just pray right now so glad that you give us your word and speak to us and you encourage us. 
And you remind us, God, that where we need to keep our eyes is not on our problems. If we keep our eyes on our problems, we're going to be worried and frustrated and filled with stress. But we keep our eyes on Jesus, and you're more than enough. Thank you that you send a heavenly host that just cheers us on. Lord, help us to hear that voice, those voices more and more. And I just pray for every person. There were so many that raised their hand that you would just touch their life. Even tonight, begin to encourage their faith. If there's any priorities that they need to get right, God, any weights that they need to let down and, and just make the main thing the main thing and be focused on the things that matter most, God, I pray that that would happen. If there's any sin that need to be, needs to be repented of and laid down so that we can run, God, without any, any slowing down, any impediments getting in our way, God, that we would just be free to go after you with everything that's within us. Thank you, God. Touch your people tonight. We ask in Jesus' name. Worship team's going to lead. And those of you that you want somebody to personally agree with you and pray with you, our altar workers are here and they'd love to pray with you. And you just come and allow them to do that. If you're not coming to the altar tonight, you can continue to worship. And uh, whenever you want to slip out, you can do so. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for being so attentive. And uh, we look forward to what God's going to do all day on Sunday. We love you. Let's worship. Those of you that need prayer, you can.